the reason why I'm doing this course is not because I presume that every single person who comes to this group or goes to our church has absolutely zero knowledge about God. I do this course because it changed my life significantly. I, um, in the first week I told this in my testimony, but I had known about God for a very long time. I told everyone I was a Christian. I knew the Bible really, really well for my age. Um, I could beat the pastor's son at any kind of like question. We had like Bible baseball. It's this really fun game. But um, we, where you score like home runs with answering questions, right? And stuff. And I was just unbeatable. And I thought I was the world's best Christian. No one knew more than me. And there was, I had no doubt in my mind I was saved and going to heaven. Like I believed everything I needed to believe. Um, then when I was 19, uh, went to university and I had freedom for the first time. And I decided to finally attend this course that you're doing um, at my church, which was a compulsory course if you wanted to be a member. But I could never do it because I was in boarding school and couldn't attend things in the evening. So I went with the intention of, well, I've been going to this church for, at that stage, maybe like six years. And so I wanted to become a member. And that's just what you did. You just did the course. So I didn't go with like super high expectations. Um, especially, I mean, the course's name was Foundations, so I mean, how intense could it be, right? <laughs> and I went there, and it wrecked me. Um, there's five courses. This is the first one. This is actually meant to be, this entire book is meant to be done in one three-hour sitting. Um, I'm going through it a lot slower. By the time we got to the end, everything in my life changed. And some people say it's because of certain events that happened at the end of this course, which we'll get to. But for me, I believe it's also, in addition to that, the day God saved me. I always thought I was saved, but I believe there comes a day where God grabs you, and the day He grabs you, that's it. Now you're His. It's like you don't have a choice. But it's a good you don't have a choice. Um, and I left there with this passion in my heart. I, I didn't only want to know God. I wanted to be His friend. I wanted to waste my life serving Him. I wanted every decision I ever made to please Him. I wanted everything in my life that was dirty or ugly or sinful to just disappear. I just wanted to please Him. Um, immediately, there were certain sins in my life that the very next day, I had always wanted to stop but couldn't. And the next day, it was already different for me. I It's like my, my spirit was so offended at those things, whereas before it was a head thing. It's like, a, I know I shouldn't do this, but... Fighting it was fruitless. I just kept doing the same things over and over. And then I'd feel guilty. And then the cycle would continue. But after I did this course, I was just... It was different. It was like this thing really disgusted me. Inside. It wasn't just a head thing. It was a heart thing. And very soon after that, a lot of sins that I'd been doing for a long time 
God gave me victory over and I managed to stop. Now, over time, he would bring up more and more and more and more sins that were still in my life. He didn't bombard me all at once um, with everything I'd done wrong and everything I needed to change. He's a gentleman and he's slow and he only gives you what you can handle at the time. But he continued to perfect me and he's still perfecting me. But nothing was ever the same after that day. Um, I was so passionate about this course that Immediately I went to the pastor and I said, what do I have to do to get involved with teaching this course? Because it's revolutionary. And I started shadowing, the pastor was doing it, and then I started to lead this course every month at my church. I also initiated it at my university and other missionary organizations that I joined. And the thing is, like, this course really is foundations. It's not like you're going to hear anything in here that's not in the word of God or not something you've heard name dropped in a sermon or two or never heard a Christian speak about. But the problem is a lot of these truths, they're not taught anymore. It's just presumed that everyone knows them. Everyone knows how to apply them and everyone is walking in them. And that's not the case. And I see a lot of Christians who are defeated, depressed, overcome with sin, don't know how to gain victory in their life, complain that they don't know God's will, they don't know how to discern His voice, they never feel His presence. And then I find out they don't have any of the foundations right. No one has ever taken their hand and said to them, come let me disciple you. Let me teach you how to win, how to overcome, how to live victoriously. The Christian faith was always one of discipleship. It's not Here's a book, learn it, ciao. It was, here's a book, let's learn it together. Let's grow. Point out the sin in me, I'll point out the sin in you. I've gained victory over this thing, let me teach you how I did it. There was fellowship, there was community, there was safety. Everyone had everything in common. Everyone shared everything, including their knowledge. And we've lost that. And... Is the Bible alone enough to give you everything that you need? Absolutely. But God put community in place for a reason. And you might gain the same truth through reading the word, but it might take you five years. Whereas one encounter with someone who's walked that road already and knows how to overcome could change your life in a day or a week or a month. And so... The truths that we're going to be discussing here, I encourage you all, if anything I say sets off a red flag in you and you're like, that's weird, I don't believe that, I encourage you to take the word of God and study it for yourself. And if anything you feel I've said is wrong, please come to me and we can discuss it as long as you bring the word of God. I'm not interested in any human opinions unless you can back it up with scripture. Because like I told you, the thing I associate the most with God is truth. And for me, the Bible is the only source of truth in this universe and is the only thing we can hold on to, the only thing we can depend upon. And so if you can come to me from the word and say, I don't agree with what you said, here are the verses in the scripture and we can have a discussion about it. And if I am truly wrong, I'll repent to you and I'll repent to the whole group the next week and I'll correct whatever I said.
But on the flip side, I challenge you that if the things I say are true and they are in the word of God and you have not applied them to your life, the ball is then in your court to run with it or to hit it, whatever sport and energy you want. It doesn't help to just have head knowledge. I was so smart with the Bible. Like I said, pastor's son didn't stand a chance. But I was going to hell. If I had died, I would have gone to hell. Thank God that he saved me after that. But having the knowledge in your head is not enough. It has to come into your spirit and it has to make you new from the inside. It shouldn't be you fighting your flesh all the time to overcome. The Holy Spirit has to come and change everything about you and make you an entire new person. Um, like Truth One says over here, and we're probably going to gloss over a lot of stuff since we've done it in previous lessons, but the first one is a new birth. It's not that you were born deformed and then God did surgery and was like, oh, I'm going to fix that leg. Maybe I'm going to give you a facelift. You are entirely new. That's why he says born again, not fixed again, not surgery again, not bandied. nothing. It's new. You are new. And if I had to look back on who I was prior this course, which is 10 or 11 years ago now, I don't know who that girl is. Do I still see tiny pieces of her in my life? Yes. Like the things I struggled with the most, like watching what I say, I still struggle with that today. I'm very, say whatever I think and then afterwards I realize I offended someone and it's terrible. But compared to the girl I was, I'm a very different person today. On my 21st birthday, um, I stood up, I had invited a lot of people um, that I knew, even people I didn't like because God's like, he challenged me with that parable that's like the wedding feast, like invite the beggars and everything for my 21st. And he's like, every person you don't like, you have to invite them. And I'm like, fine. <laughs> so I had a lot of people there and um, I love speaking, as you can tell. So my main event was speeches at my 21st. I'm just like, everyone, you can all speak and I'm going to speak and we're just going to have speeches the whole night because I love it. And I was the final speech, and my speech was a prayer. And I spoke to God, and I bawled my eyes out in front of all these people. And I don't even remember everything I said, but I remember saying to him, God, where would I have been, and what would I have been doing tonight had I not met you three years ago? I can't imagine what it would have been like. My 21st... Gosh, I probably would have been going so crazy, um, sinning so much. And I'm so grateful that I met him. And my deepest desire is for every person to encounter God like I have. And every single person sitting here has encountered God in some way. And I'm not here to nullify that. But my experience has been that there are parts that are missing and I want to show people those parts. And if you can genuinely learn nothing from this except 
reinforce the things you already knew. Then have a teachable spirit. Come equipped with more verses and go out and teach other people. But I am bold enough to say that if you stick through this course and hopefully God willing, the other four that come after it, which each one wrecked me all over again. Um, like Eric was saying, every time Cassandra comes up with something new, I'm like, oh my gosh, is there anything more? That's what those courses did for me. Every time I did one, I was like, whoa, oh my goodness, God did something so radical. Like, this is, this is the top. Nothing's going to beat this. And then the next course would come and I'd be like, all over again. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And I, my hope is to bring as many people as I can through all five of the courses. Um, but that's going to take many semesters. Um, but I do promise you this. If you stick it through, you will at least, at the very least, encounter one thing, learn one thing, experience one thing that will change your walk with God. Just be open and check everything I say against the word of God. So to start off this, uh, this course, it is what it says. It's foundation. So it has to start from the bottom up. It cannot just presume that everyone knows the basics. So obviously the absolute foundation of our faith is salvation. And so the first section of this course is what are the 10 truths of salvation? What is the one, the evidence that you can show that you're truly saved? And two, what are the promises and signs that come after you're saved? So we kind of touched on one, the truth number one. So I won't really go into that. But um, it just speaks about the difference between born of water and born of the spirit, which is what Jesus says to Nicodemus when uh, Nicodemus, who was a teacher, um, in Israel came to him at night and asked him what does he have to do to be saved and Jesus said you have to be born of water and born of the spirit um, and born of water merely means you were born human how do we know that when you're born your mother's water breaks and you come through you're born of water and then born of the spirit that is when the Holy Spirit comes and regenerates you, you become a true believer, a true follower of Christ. So Jesus is saying to be saved, you need to one, be a human being, and two, become born again in the Spirit. Um, truth number two on page three. four. <laughs> I, well, four for you, three for us, I think. Okay. <laughs> Why are you looking at my book? Look at your book. <laughs> I have, I have the like original book and it's falling apart. I'm even miss, missing like six pages in the middle of it. Um, that's why my pages are different. A new creation. Um, I'm just going to read those arrows. They experience a new piece of heart and mind. So these are the things that happen when you've truly had an encounter with God. You feel clean on the inside. You have a desire to attend church. Usually people who haven't had an encounter with Christ hate church. Like, it's boring, it's a waste of time, they cannot wait to get out of it, they'll do it as little as possible. After I did this course and God radically changed me, I couldn't get enough of church. I wanted to be in it as many days as possible, 
Anything they had, I was there. I mean, I hate children, but I even went to youth. I would just stand in the back so that I didn't have to encounter children that much. But I, if the church doors were open, I wanted to be there. Um, they feel they want to be in the family of God. Their old habits begin to fall away. That was what we were talking about. The gradients of your life should be you becoming more and more like Christ. And I would say that's thing you have to constantly examine. Because you might look at yourself eight years ago and say, well, I'm definitely different to how I was eight years ago. But what about two years ago, one year ago, six months ago? Be careful that you didn't like go up and then hit the plateau and you've just stayed there. You need to be able to look back at certain intervals and say, I'm still growing, I'm still growing. And if you're not, that's something you have to bring up to God in prayer and say, what is it that's stopping me? And hopefully that throughout this course, if you are at a plateau, um, the Holy Spirit through this course will reveal to you what those issues are. Uh, they begin to acquire a new set of values and they begin to desire to read the Bible. That's another thing that for me, I used to read the Bible every night, but it was like, I just have to do one chapter so that I can like say, I've read the Bible. And sometimes my mind would kind of wonder as I read it, but as long as I got to the end of a chapter, Christian, checkbox, done. But then when I was truly saved, it was different. I wanted to know what I was reading, what it meant. If I didn't understand it, it wasn't enough to just be like, oh, well, what the heck does that mean? Oh, well, just turn the page. Like I needed to know. I needed to study it. I needed to understand it. Um, uh, truth number three on the next page. Well, I hope it's the next page. I'm so sorry if I say next page and it's not your next page. A new family. Uh, I went into this a lot last week, so I don't want to rehash it too much, but I came from a really broken home. Um, my dad was abusive, uh, cheated on my mom. He was also emotionally abusive towards me. And uh, then my parents got divorced and my mother remarried a worse man. And he was more abusive, both verbally and physically, than my real dad had been. And I hated being home. I was in a boarding school and I was so grateful that I was in it because I got to be away from my parents. Now, I loved my mom, but being around her made being around my stepdad and I, I hated it. Um, and so when I got saved, I got a new family in terms of the believers around me. They helped to be my sister and my mother and, you know, family that came together to support me. My friends became really my family. Like, I, I mean, I even said to Eric, like at our wedding, as long as my friends are there, I feel like my family is there because they really were the people that spoke into my life, that cared for me, that looked after me. Um, and then most importantly, God himself, became my father and um i i mean you know you hear about daddy issues i had all the daddy issues um and he became my father and he started to heal those things and i can now say i don't have daddy issues anymore thank the lord <laughs> otherwise you'd be she suffering doesn't, she doesn't call me poppy <laughs> um and i was also saying last week how God is a father, but 
he also takes on a person or a um, family trait or persona of what you need in your current season of life. So I for many years needed a father and he was my father for a very long time. Like that's, that was what he was pushing. I'm your dad, I'm your dad, I love you. I'm not out to punish you. I'm not waiting for you to make mistakes. And the reason I thought that was, I lived in fear when I was at home. I would hear my stepdad's footsteps and like my heart would start to race because I knew the moment he walked in my room, he's, he was gonna glance over everything to try and find something to yell about and punish me for it. So when I would hear his footsteps, whatever I was touching, I would put it away because whatever it was would be the thing he would choose. If it was a cell phone, it was, oh, you're always on your cell phone. Ah. If I was on the computer, you're always on your computer. If it was a book, you're always reading. Whatever it was, he would freak out about. So I would put everything away and sit like this, waiting for him to come in the room and he would come in and he would look around and he would still find something every single time. You're always in your room. Can't win. So I indirectly started to see God that way. When I would sin, I would think God's angry. God's waiting to punish me. Oh, that bad thing that happened, that was probably God punishing me for that bad thing that I did. And God had to come and slowly reveal to me that that's not who he is. He's not out to punish me. Jesus already took my punishment. Yes, there are consequences for sin, but that's different to a punishment for sin. Um, but after years of bringing my father, he then became my husband. He started to teach me what it is for Christ to be my husband. What is, what is it to not need anyone else in my life because I already have my partner. Not to be alone because I have him. He also took on roles of a best friend. And there were seasons in life where he took on the role as Lord. He's like, we've been through a few family situations right now, but in this season... I need to be your master and your Lord and you need to obey. Um, and so as you walk with the Lord, you'll see he starts to, he's always all those things, but he'll reveal certain parts of himself to you in times of your life when you need it the most. Uh, truth number four, a new clean slate. Uh, this goes with what I was saying where there is no more punishment. You have been washed and wiped clean. He doesn't look at you and see what you've done. He looks at you and he sees the righteousness of Christ. You're the only one who still sees what you've done. And other people, because we all suck, right? But he doesn't see it. He sees the righteousness of Christ. The moment, um, the moment you ask for forgiveness, it's wiped clean. I believe there is a verse that says, uh, as far as the east is from the west, so far, as he, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And it's interesting that God says, as far as the east is from the west and not as far as the north is from the south. Because the north from the south is actually something you can measure. You can actually pinpoint where is the northernmost part of earth and you can pinpoint where is the southernmost part. So that's measurable. So if you said, I've removed your transgressions thus far, but it's north and south, that means there comes a point where I've removed it this far and yeah, you're at the limit now. But east and west, there's no way to measure east and west. No matter where you stand on earth, 
east continues one way and west continues the other way it's the constant revolving circle so he's saying i've removed them so far that there's no boundary to how far it's been removed from you um, truth number five a new quality of life this for me was a very profound thing because i mean i had a plan for my life and i had Things that I wanted to do when I wasn't saved, but life just kind of went on. It was just this thing I did, and I didn't really have purpose or meaning. I just was like, well, I'm good at math. I guess I'll just like be smart and earn money and get married and have children and die. Um, <laughs> and when I got saved, everything was different. Not that I didn't want those things necessarily, but they weren't as important. Suddenly it was like, my life has meaning. I have a purpose and a calling that if I don't fulfill, I'm leaving a gap in the universe that no one else can fill in. Um, and I, life just had a beautiful aura to it. It was something spectacular. It was something I just, it meant something, you know. Um, I started to feel things in a more real way. In the past, when I was sad, I, I was really sad, but I kind of almost felt like I was in this dead lull. Like even happiness wasn't that happy, and sadness wasn't even that sad. I was just in this depressed, dark, spot that occasionally went a little up and occasionally went a little down but when i was saved all my emotions and experiences got heightened so sadness was deeper but joy was more profound and um, happiness elated me more and beauty was more striking and filth was more disgusting like i felt like literally he came and fine-tuned me like before i was this piano that was just kind of like and then he came and he did some stuff and suddenly like if he played a sad song it was moving if he played a jubilant song it was amazing and so your life should take on you meaning your destiny should give you um excitement and purpose because now you're not just here as this amoeba that came from a cosmic soup and somehow developed into a beautiful blonde woman and you're gonna just live, maybe earn some money, maybe pop a baby and die. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you have destiny, you have calling, you have meaning, and you're important. And that really became real to me. I wasn't just a number, I was important to God. And he cared about every decision I made. So that's how far we got uh, the previous two weeks. What's the time? Oh, what do you know? Um, <clears throat> I'm hoping we can get through the next four or next five next week. Um, we're supposed to be this week so that we can get to the good stuff. Um, the stuff that's going to really change your life if it hasn't already changed your life. Um, <clears throat> the homework that I've given, uh, I said it on the text today, was to read Acts 1 through 20 and 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. I know it's a lot, but it's it flows pretty easy. It's not like Leviticus. So um, 
for numbers. But the reason I'm asking people to read it is I want you to start preparing your spirit for the section that we're going to get to in God willing two weeks time. Because that's really where everything changes. And I want you to already in your mind have an idea of what truth is before it comes out of my mouth. So that this is not a shock to you or confusing to you or worrisome. But you've already read the word of God and you've seen how things were done um, by the disciples and therefore how they should be done today. Mm-hmm. And my deep concern with um, not necessarily America, but Western Christianity is that we've fallen into one of two categories. We either take truth so far that they become false, like false manifestations, things that are done in the flesh, things that actually drive people away from God. Or this side scares us so much that we go in the opposite direction. We're like, I want nothing to do with any of those crazy things that some Christians do. I'm just going to stick to the plain, easy, safe, normal parts of Christianity. And that's not what God has called us to. He's called us to truth. As long as Satan is alive and thriving, he is going to make sure that the truth is twisted. And if he can't get you to go to the left, he's going to get you to go to the right. And so, unfortunately, because of that, many Western Christians aren't living the way the New Testament Christians were. I've heard lots of preachers say how what was done then was for then. It's not applicable now. That's not the truth. If you go to other countries that aren't um, first world countries, that aren't like Western countries, they, they're still living exactly what the New Testament believers were living up. They're still seeing miracles. They're still hearing from God. Um, they're still suffering persecution, yet having immense joy. They still um, can discern God's voice in His will. They still hear prophecy. They still have all things in common and love each other with the type of love that shocks the world because how could you really love that person who annoys the hell out of you so much? How do you still love them? That's the kind of Christianity that exists in the Middle East, in North Korea, um, in many countries in Africa, um, and many Asian, other Asian countries where um, Christianity is oppressed or illegal or persecuted in some form. And unfortunately our freedom to worship in any way we want without the worry of what will be done to us or how we will be punished or imprisoned or flogged has made us kind of lazy with living out the word as it always has been lived out since the new testament times and so my hope is that we as a group and us as a church because Pastor Adam knows I've been talking to him a lot about this. Is to get us to a point where we look exactly like the New Testament church today. And if we do, that's when we're going to start to see more people coming to Christ. That's when we're going to start seeing more people have encounters with God. More gifts of the Spirit flowing. Like we all want them to flow, right? Who doesn't like seeing a miracle? Who doesn't like getting a word of prophecy? But 
most of us are in a stance of sitting there and kind of waiting and hoping it, it just spontaneously combusts in front of us when God's like, actually, all of you are supposed to be doing it. Like I've mandated all of you to add something to the body, but we're all sitting there waiting for someone else to do it. And so we need to all take a, a position of what does God want me to do? What does he say in his word and how can I get to that? that kind of position, that kind of stance. And if it sounds like I'm speaking kind of cryptically, I'm sorry because I'm really trying not to preach two weeks sermon in advance. Um, but in the meantime, pray, read those scriptures and ask God to prepare your heart. And if you're like, oh, I already know what she's going to speak about and I'm already there. Awesome. Because if there's more than just me, then the people who don't agree won't think I'm crazy. So... <laughs> If you know this stuff, if this is already flowing in your life and you're cool with it, please still come because we need to create a safe space for other believers who aren't there yet to get there. And I don't know how it is for you, but the things that inspire my faith, aside from reading the Bible, which is a big source of inspiration to me, is seeing out other Christians live out a life that is more full of God than what mine is. And when I see that in them, I'm like, whoa, I need to get more serious. I need to do more. I need to be more. I need to whatever. But I need to, whatever they have, I want it. So if you're already on that same page and you're like, oh, I know this, please come again and help me to help everyone else so that we can all get to that same spot. Because the purpose of this foundations course is to build a house that is strong so that we can go out and destroy Satan's kingdom. But as long as your house is still broken or your foundation is kind of laid or maybe you got a few bricks of a wall on one side, you're never going to live victoriously. So once we've built the foundation and everyone's on the same page, we can go on to more difficult topics and more profound things. And, you know, I mean, I know one girl, she's not here tonight, but uh, we were in a previous Bible study together and I, I would ask the group like, what do you guys want to know about? Like, if I had to pick a topic, what would you want? And she would always say, um, apologetics and spiritual warfare. And I was just like, we can't get there right now. Like, we haven't even got the foundations right. So I'm not going to sit here telling you guys how to perform spiritual warfare against the enemy and win when I don't even know if we're on the same page about the most basic parts of our faith. And so I want us to get there because we're called to be there, but we have to start somewhere. Um, yeah. So I hope to see you guys again. I would encourage you to try, come consistently so that we don't have to keep recapping. Um, Thank you, Jordan. Yeah. Thank you, Georgia. <laughs> Uh, that wasn't like Sorry. that wasn't like yeah, shame. Two months, <laughs> 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 <laughs>